Hello, welcome to Great Takes Less Filling. It's the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris. Go away, you fur. I've got U Street with me. Hey y'all. And I'm just gonna turn I'm just gonna turn it right over to you, U Street. Go have at it. That was unquestionably the worst defensive performance that I have seen potentially ever in the time that I've been watching Gopher football. I've been watching Gopher football for almost thirty years. I mean you're you got to give like some credit to the fact that like there were formative years there where you were watching, but you don't actually remember what you saw. Yeah, though I'm pretty confident that none of them had a defensive performance that was worse than this. Illinois, on both sides of the ball, actually, I mean, the offensive performance was pretty garbage too. If you ignore the two garbage time touchdowns to Rashad Bateman, not ignoring in the sense of like, wow, that was a really dope play by Rashad Bateman. And I think I can speak for you that we're both super excited to watch him develop and become an incredibly good wide receiver before he goes professional at some point. But outside of those, before that, in the second half, the offense had put up 53 total yards against a defense that had given up something like 96 points the last few weeks prior. And I recognize that, like, Lovey Smith calling the plays means that the tendencies in some sense shift, but it doesn't mean that automatically Illinois' talent magically got better. They were still not particularly good. And the Gophers' offense for an extended period of time made them look like world beaters. But the reason we're not going to spend too much time about that is that the Gophers gave up 55 points to Illinois, a team that is now 2-4 and four in conference play but was definitely 1-4 before in garbage. Some fun facts about yesterday. One, the University of Minnesota is now the only team in Division I, the FBS, to have given up at least five or more plays of over 60 yards in one game. And they did that to Illinois. If you look at the box score... And, for example, if you went to ESPN.com and you looked at the box score for this game, you will actually not see all of those plays because Minnesota gave them up to the same people such that they had longer runs, and so you can't include all of them in just the individual box score stat. Illinois put up 430 yards on the ground. They averaged 12.3 yards a carry. And while it's true that the mean is not robust to outliers, I'm fairly certain the median's pretty close to that. There were five touchdowns on the ground. In one of them, the uh, player, Reggie Corbin, made one guy miss, kind of, because it's sort of hard to say that he made someone miss when he was kind of being blocked. And then the closest player to him for the rest of that run was his quarterback, A.J. Bush. And A.J. Bush was celebrating so much that Reggie Corbin almost tripped over him. And had he tripped over him, that would have been the best defensive play by anyone on the field at that point. Yeah, that last one I think brings to mind the really most disgusting thing about the whole thing was that we just kept running the same defense, despite the fact that they were gashing it and no adjustments were made and our linebackers continued to flow to the outside and get caught up in the wash and then be out of position as Reggie Corbin or A.J. Bush or somebody else ran straight up the middle. Do you know who coaches the linebackers? Uh, That's Rob Smith. Yeah, do you know who coaches, who's coordinating the defense? That would be Rob Smith. Do you know who somehow still has a job, despite at this point giving up more than 600 total yards to multiple teams in Big Ten play this year? That would be Rob Smith. So I will put this out in audio form. We will likely write it later this week. Uh, I'm broadly pro 
sort of letting Fleck play out for a couple of reasons. One, I think this notion that you fire coaches a year or two in is pretty absurd. Two, uh, regardless of what people would like to say about the previous regime, there was a whole lot of barren in the cupboards, and there was, in fact, quite a lot of rebuilding to do for a variety of reasons that we don't need to go into because we've done them ad nauseum, and at this point, if you're just not coming up with those reasons, it's because you're choosing not to believe them. So that's one. Secondly, I think you are seeing improvement on the offense. Not enough improvement, by the way, however. For uh, this game, Donnell Green was out, which means Sam Schluter started at left tackle, and weirdly, the left side of the line was torched for most of the game. Can't imagine how that works. Not just Sam Schluter, incidentally. Connor Olsen had a bad game. Blaze Andrews on the right side of the line got blown up once or twice. Uh, Daniel Falalele continued to have a very good stretch at the offensive tackle position at the right tackle, but that is just one of the four positions on the offensive line. I think Jared Weiler got eaten on one or two plays. The offensive line did not have themselves a particularly great game against Illinois, and weirdly, when your offensive line plays badly, it is somewhat difficult to do other things on offense. But nonetheless, and again, there is a garbage time point here because Rashad Bateman had two deep passes that he took yards after catch into the end zone to improve this statistic but nonetheless uh, minnesota averaged 9.3 yards a pass thanks in part to those two long plays they had 178 yards on the ground they were averaging 4.2 yards a carry which means at least in some sense the offense was able to move the ball and if we're being really honest if you score 31 total points against illinois you should win not lose by 24 So we can see growth on the offensive side of the ball, and the vast majority of the offense is very young, and the running backs who are currently playing are the third and fourth stringers. The same is not to be true on the defensive side of the ball, and here there is now the point that I'm going to make. If Rob Smith still has a job next year, then I think I will have to seriously question whether or not P.J. Fleck is fit to coach the University of Minnesota. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I'm I'm not going to be one of the people who jumps off now because he's not getting fired today. Although he should, I know he should, and and Fleck would be doing himself a favor um, if he did. Up until this point, I've always been kind of like firing the coordinator midseason doesn't solve a lot. That's it, it's a sacrificial firing, and I'm only so on board for that. It, you have to really really push me to be on board for sacrificial firings. Yeah, guess what, Rob Smith, you push me. <laughs> You can sacrificially fire Rob Smith at this point. Like, as you said, I don't want people to lose their jobs, whatever. But, I mean, gee whiz, this guy's not, he's not doing it. And the fan base would be incalculably more pleased with his head on a spike, you know, metaphorically, uh, than not. Um, And Fleck really needs to gauge that. Like, I don't love having to appease our fan base as a reason because our fan base is often irrational and stupid. But they're not wrong. Nobody's wrong (laughs) in wanting Rob Smith fired. He very much needs to not be the defensive coordinator at the University of Minnesota. And dragging it out doesn't really solve a lot. It doesn't I mean, there's nothing he's going to fix in the next three games because he's had a whole season. Hell, he had all of yesterday to do anything different and did absolutely nothing different. So the season's not going to fix it. And what's the point of holding on to him? Like, really, what's the point? I'm sure it's hard. I know they're friends or at least um, 
certainly super cordial. Like, he didn't hire a stranger. And that's never fun. And I, I, I get that Flex never had to do it before at any of his stops. Well, I stop at Western Michigan. But, gee, Jesus, just... If he's, if he's around as defensive coordinator, then I'm out. Like, I'll, I'll cheer, but I'll be out too. I'll be out with any confidence because there's no way you can look at this and think, and think this is okay. You can't possibly. You can't possibly see this as redeemable. Against any team that has any semblance of competence this year, i.e. not New Mexico State or Miami, Rob Smith's defense has given up at least five yards per play against any team that at any point during the game will have at least one person go in motion or have some kind of misdirection or any kind of spread offense. Rob Smith's defense is giving up 9.5 yards a game. Teams in Big Ten play, there is only one team that has had less than 60 plays. So that's not also a situation for which you say like, oh, well, they're averaging a lot, but they're not getting a whole lot of plays. That wouldn't necessarily be positive, by the way. You could read that one of two ways. But it's also like the offenses on the other side of the ball are having a lot of plays. So there is a lot of time in some sense that you could adjust to what you were doing. Yesterday on the final long run, not only was there nobody in the vicinity, as we already mentioned, besides A.J. Bush, that was clearly designed by the scheme. Every single linebacker shot out to the sides. Rob Smith's defense, for reasons that I cannot fathom, decides what would be a great idea is to make sure that the person who you would think would be covering a gap is not covering that gap. Part of the problem with the defense this year has been that the claim is, well, they're injured at key positions, and thus they cannot do what they want to do on defense. I must say it is unfathomable to me what they want to do on defense. Because what they are doing on defense is either much too complex for the players they have, incompetent, or a combination of the two. And that is fundamentally down to the scheme and the philosophy of the defense. Minnesota does not play only teams that are going to have super stationary quarterbacks who are not tremendously good at running the football. And that is about the only kind of offense that I could potentially see Rob Smith's defense playing well against. But even if we set that up and we say that Rob Smith takes away one thing, he doesn't take away the other thing. So Ohio State only ran for 92 yards. They ran 32 attempts. Great job. The Gophers very much covered the run, only 2.9 yards a carry. Isn't that awesome? Oh, wait, they gave up 412 yards in passing. Or, hey, look, against Maryland, they only gave up 117 yards through the air. Admittedly, Maryland's quarterback was 10 for 14, so 71% of the time he was completing a completion. Oh, wait, that's because Maryland basically never passed the ball because they ran it for 315 yards. After yesterday, Rob Smith's defense has given up over 300 yards three times this season on the ground. They've given up over 300 yards through the air twice. And every time they've given up over 300 yards through the air, that's because the team has just decided, hey, we can pass the ball at will. Or, hey, we can run the ball at will. Fortunately for us, Indiana had a few times where they made some inexplicably bad plays. Otherwise, we would have had that three times this year. 
where some team would have passed for over 300 yards. And depending on how we look at it, they may have actually run for 200 yards too. Indiana was super balanced in gashing and slashing the Gopher defense. And Minnesota is incredibly lucky that on their first three drives, Indiana only had field goals. There is no possible way that suggests that the defense is being coached well. And the strength of the defense coming into the season, the linebacking core, has gotten dramatically worse. The best linebacker on the team is Carter Coughlin, and he's not a linebacker anymore. Which I'm fine with. But... He's doing great as a rush end. But Blake Cashman's seen regression. Thomas Barber has seen regression. Kamal Martin has seen regression. Yesterday against Illinois, despite the fact that Illinois has a running quarterback, it is highly unclear if there was ever anyone spying that quarterback, as evidenced by his ability, whenever he really felt like it, to go get himself eight or nine yards. Yeah, that's, did you watch the press conference at all? I have not seen the press conference. All right. I haven't either. Um, I'm hopeful though not entirely confident, uh, that Fleck recognized another pitfall here, which is, okay, let's say you're not firing Rob Smith till the end of the year. You're not a person who throws your coordinators under a bus, so you're not going to speak in a way that does so. He's got to be really damn careful with how he talks about this defense. Again, I am not one who's overly concerned about the feelings of our fan base because I think our fan base is irrational a majority of the time. There's nothing... You can't be positive about this defense right now. You don't have to be negative, but you better be damn coach-speak neutral. Like, make sure when you're saying youth that you're talking about the offense because it's true about the offense. It's not really true about the defense. Do not use glowing terms to describe your confidence in Rob Smith. Just say something. Like at worst, just say the most is he has your confidence and you'll continue to evaluate. You know, the kind of stuff that generally signals this dude is on thin ice. Cause I actually do still have confidence in Fleck to be able to do something. I think offensively the team has shown more than enough of an infusion in talent to suggest they can get something done there. I think they've shown uh, at times what they want to do schematically, although like you, I have concerns that they don't seem to execute the best parts of their scheme or, or call the best parts of their scheme um, regularly. Um, I also think it's hard to fully gauge because they still don't have a quarterback. Uh, their two options are both freshmen in their first years of playing, and one of them has been hurt most of the year because Sam Schluter and the right side of the line got him killed early in the season. Uh, incidentally, that would be another thing. They haven't really had an offensive line. They came in without an offensive line available to them. And since that point, they've had one potentially starter retire. Uh, and they've been put in a position where at now they're playing a true freshman right tackle, which, thank God, Fleck went out and got Daniel Falale. Because without that, they would be completely hosed this season. Like, just think about that. If Fleck hadn't grabbed a high three-star guy with tons of potential and size and general measurables, but who had only played football for two seasons, if he hadn't grabbed that guy out of IMG Academy, 
in his recruiting class, this team would be completely boned. Yeah, Falele is the best offensive line, best offensive line by far. But tell me that the offensive line is okay uh, when you when you when you look at that. No, there was no offensive line left here. You know who could be their quarterback right now? Since we might as well briefly look on the back end. <laughs> The dude, the dude who's at Ole Miss, yeah, right? Yeah, Jordan Tamu wanted to commit here, chose not to. I am very confident that if Jordan Tamu was running uh, this offense right now, I really hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's T-A apostrophe A-M-U. But uh, he's fantastic, and he can run, and he can throw forever, and he's quite accurate. If I look at that quarterback and I look at what Kirk Shiraka seems to want to do on offense, that's a really nice, nice piece to have. It's also to give Kirk a little bit of credit, and in some sense, I would be willing to give Rob Smith a little bit of a break here if this wasn't like a regular flipping occurrence. There were a couple of drives that were stymied, not because the play call was bad, but because Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson just dropped balls. That happened a few times. I thought Kirk got a little too predictable on offense. He was really trying to get an outside zone working. Lovey Smith was very much taking away the first options on RPOs, and there wasn't an adjustment there. That is very much on Chiraco. But again, if you score 31 points against Illinois, admittedly some in garbage time, but if you score 30, for that matter, if you score 21 points against Illinois, you should win. Yeah, I was honestly, uh, when they were at 14 points, um, uh, my entire thought process was, gee whiz, Jesus, if we had uh, a semblance of a defense, we'd be totally in this game with 14 points right now. And part of part of the difficulty, if you are the offense, is the same problem in reverse that you had during the kill years, which was as follows. Your defense is going to put up, is going to give up 17 points, let's say, and they're going to lose. So if the defense doesn't pitch a shutout, the likelihood they lose is really high because one side of the ball is miserably bad. Now we have the opposite problem. We have it a little bit of both in the sense that the offense isn't where we want it to be. But if we spot that the offense is doing really well, and I think in some sense we can say that next year there is a lot of reasons to believe that the offense should do pretty well. And if they're not doing pretty well, then we have a whole other set of reasons why after year four, Minnesota might be in the market for a new head football coach. But if we spot the offense next year is going to be pretty good, you're running currently into the exact same problem. And I have no confidence whatsoever that Rob Smith can write that ship. And I have a lot of evidence to suggest that because against any team that has been at all good, Rob Smith's defense has been miserably bad. And by at all good, I mean any team that is not New Mexico State or Miami of Ohio. Yep. Do you think he gets fired before the end of the year? I think he should. I have no idea if he will be. Okay. I don't think, I, I think, I agree with you that in some sense, switching your offensive coordinator is both an admission of defeat and it's really difficult to install anything new. Plus, you'd have to figure out a lot of shuffling, where you figure out who coaches the linebackers, all of those problems. I also think at this point it's worth it because this is a lost season. Here is the bit. Had they beat Illinois yesterday, 
the Gophers would have needed to win one against Purdue, Northwestern, or Wisconsin. I don't believe realistically that I would have bet on that, but I think it is a not not it's not a zero probability outcome that the Gophers would have gone bowling. So they would have been six and six. Which at the beginning of the season, you're sort of saying worst case probably four and eight, which is where they're currently likely to end up. Best case maybe seven and five with some kind of bowl. So six and six, you'd be right in the middle there. And you'd probably have at least one decent win. North well, two if you include Fresno State, you got Northwestern, or you got Purdue, or you potentially obviously would have Wisconsin. I do not believe that any of those three teams will have any difficulty running up the score against a Rab Smith defense. I have no confidence in that. And if they do put together an incredible game plan and really execute really well, my actual conclusion of that will be that the other team's coaches screwed up. So it won't be that, oh, look at how great we the defense played. It'll be what were the people on the other sideline thinking. Seems fair. Six and six is something to build off in two ways. Certainly it's something to build off in a recruiting standpoint because recruiting's on kind of a two-year lag. And with that said, the Fleck regime is really good at recruiting. We haven't talked about it very much because there hasn't really been any news because they locked up their entire class. But that class is a good class. It's a really solid class. It's a class you very much can build on. It's bringing in a lot of players who will ostensibly address key weaknesses mostly on the defense last class was mostly on the offense this class is mostly on the defense so this is another reason why from a football head football coach perspective there's reasons to support fleck unlike previous coaching staffs he is identifying key areas of need and recruiting to those areas of need however if rob smith is coaching them i don't think they will be very good doesn't matter who you bring in. If that's the scheme, and it's a scheme that says if there's any kind of misdirection whatsoever or any kind of spread concept whatsoever, which is not a novel concept, it's not like this is 1998. There's no, there's no legitimate way to suppose that the defense is going to be any good, and that means that in order for the offense to win football games, the offense is going to have to be putting up something like 40-plus points a game. And the offense is not that good. For that matter, the offense could be Oklahoma's offense. And I think they would still lose a lot of games. I got nothing, man. I think that summarizes it pretty well. Please, PJ Fleck, let Rob Smith go. Remember when he was going to coach linebackers in the NFL last year? That would have been really great if that had happened. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think our shared nectin of the week to switch to a brief positive was Rashad Bateman, who is now the record holder for a freshman with receptions. And I believe rather shortly, if he's not already, to be touchdowns as well. Had a great game for himself. He also would be winning the race to maturity, though in some sense any person who is currently having to play for Rob Smith is winning the race to maturity because they're still going out and trying to do their job, which I imagine might be difficult when your boss is totally incompetent. He just had to go back. We had, That was our positive. That was our one positive, man. 
I'm sorry. It's really hard to have positives when you lose to Illinois in that way. That's nah, okay. If uh, I'd had the same problem in my recap, I tried to end with Rashad Bateman, and I uh, actually Rob Smith ruined that for me too. So <laughs> I was really looking forward to the first game when he housed the slant. Like all season, we've been seeing him get close, get close, get close to housing a slant, and he housed two, and I'm miserable. Some of the some of the other bit that's so unfortunate about this is that. As long as Rob Smith is calling a defense, it's hard to get all that excited about watching something on a Saturday. And that's the other thing that sucks. You know, I've been watching Gopher, the Gophers play for almost 30 years here. And I was watching the Wacker years when they were real bad. I've watched them during the Brewster years when they were real bad. There's very few times where I've ever thought like, oh, it's just like not bothering, not worth bothering and wanting to watch a football game because I know both the outcome and I know that watching it as a partisan will be frustrating in some sense. Like I would much rather watch any of the other football games on television or go do something outside. And that's a, that's a bummer. Ultimately college football is entertainment if you are the University of Minnesota, you have a fan base that is awfully fickle and has a lot of other options. That is not Fleck's fault, but in order to get people in the seats, at a certain point you need a product that they are willing to watch. And by the end of this season, you will have had two years to start putting together a product they will want to watch. Going into year three, you don't have an excuse anymore of youth. Because all your people who are pretty, pretty young have been playing for a year. They've got actual game reps. they got game reps in the Big Ten. That's no longer an excuse. They get to be sophomores now and juniors. And your problem on defense has never been youth. But even if you want to claim it's youth, that's youth that you brought in. Year three, you got to win football games. The schedule is setting up to be pretty favorable in a lot of ways i don't see them winning football games if rob smith is still the head coach or still the defensive coordinator christ the head coach we could we could be so horrible yeah and it's hard for me to believe that you could really you could hire just about anybody else and you're not going to be worse i mean you could be worse but if you're worse than what we are right now that's a distinction without a difference. Like, okay, statistically, we're worse. We're setting records for being worse than this. Does that really matter? No. No, it does not. If you're already this bad, being worse is not something you get to be concerned about. So it's it's not one of those situations where, like, I think we as a fan base have to... Have to um, well, oh God, I'm going to briefly go into this because I think it's a reasonable uh, example of what I'm trying to say, and it's what's coming to my mind, but let's not have to spend the whole days relitigating this. Glenn Mason. Glenn Mason was not great. He was not terrible. It was definitely possible to do worse than Glenn Mason. Let's ignore all the positive, reasonable reasons that he was let go and just focus on that fact alone. We saw what happens when you can sometimes have to worry about we could be worse. His name was Tim Brewster. Rob Smith, in this example, is already Tim Brewster. <laughs> we can do worse, but it doesn't matter. So that's really where I'm at. Like, 
they got to fire him. Or let him retire for, let him pull a Hardy Nickerson, the DC from Illinois who, who resigned last week and let him go for health reasons. I don't care. Well, hopefully, care. hopefully he lands on his feet and is coaching somewhere else. As I said, as I've said many times, the fact that I don't think Rob Smith should have a job here doesn't mean that I think like the man's livelihood should be ruined. Yeah. Like I just, whatever it takes, whatever form it takes, he needs to go. If you are someone who claims that you eat difficult conversations for breakfast, congratulations. Here is one. You got to have it. It also, also, I think it, it runs on down. I and mean, part of the thing about leadership, if you want to talk about being a leader, part of leadership is sometimes things don't go right. And what action do you take to rectify that mistake? We've had two years of Rob Smith. I don't think you need a bigger sample that this is going to magically turn around. And while I would love to be wrong about it, as I said at the beginning, I said at the middle, and I'll say here at the end of this podcast, if Rob Smith is still coaching the defense next year, is still a defensive coordinator, is still on staff, I will be very skeptical about the remaining years of the P.J. Fleck regime. Co-signed. And for anybody who's still listening at this point, you know how optimistic I am. And if I'm saying that, that should, that should really say something. All right, everyone, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. It's going to be a long week. Purdue's coming. It's a 2.30 game. I'd like to tell you to be excited. I'm not excited yet. We'll see if that happens. In the meantime, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.